He'll make it for sure. Now that's why I backed him on Tab Touch. Hey, Luke. Yes, Gene Simmons. He's probably the best when it comes to this stuff. Thanks, Gene. You've got the touch. You got the touch. You got the power. Got the touch? Choose Tap Touch. Better your bet. Download the app today. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Hello and welcome to Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle, the very first edition of 2024. And the NBL season's heating up as we get get over New Year's basketball. We had some some big results. We see the New Zealand Breakers, they're on quite a roll right now. The Sydney Kings managed to hit back. Perth Wildcats are building some ominous basketball. Illawarra Hawks, they're on the rise. I think it's fair to say the roller coaster rides for the Jack Jumpers, the Phoenix, and the Taipans are continuing. And my co-host for this week is the perfect man to talk about Gary Brown's brain explosion as well against the Brisbane Bullets. So, Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you to Hoop7 and Tab Touch for making this possible. As always, I'm Chris Pike, but I'm joined by the former South East Melbourne Phoenix head coach. Very excited to be joined by Simon Mitchell once again. And Simon, Happy New Year, first of all. Yeah, Happy New Year. Thanks for having me back on. How was your New Year? How has 2024 started so far, Simon? Uh, pretty quiet, to be honest. <laughs> Watching lots of hoops, though, so yeah. that's good. Um, obviously, having the NBL on every night kept me at home. And, um, yeah, and the, the WNBL has been ticking over as well. So, yeah, been, been getting my hoops fill and uh, even taking in the one or two NBA games. So, yeah, it's been good. No, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, before we get stuck into everything that's happening in the NBL, because there's a lot of talking points again for us this week, I'm fascinated to get your thoughts because if, if we rewind 12 months, and I remember asking you at a post-match press conference, I think, gee, from, from memory, did you play Christmas Eve last year in Adelaide? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, I remember asking you, I mean, how tough it was having to then fly back and try to be be with your family and the challenges that, that go with that. So this year is very different for you. What was the what was Christmas like in the Mitchell household without having to <laughs> be, be the, a, a head coach on top of it? Yeah, yeah, pretty quiet. I've, I've, my, my three kids are at that age now where it's not quite as exciting mm-hmm. for them as it once was. Um, and uh, with all the basketball leading up, uh, it was sort of just another day. Um, we uh, we went and had uh, we had some lunch with uh, with my in laws, and uh, it was a nice day. And um, yeah, back at home to watch the the double header. <laughs> so we had to make sure we're home for the double header of basketball. Um, the other thing I wanted to, to bring up, I saw you. Mention, made mention of the fact that you went to the open air game, Melbourne United Perth Wildcats game as well. What was it like sitting in that arena as a as a spectator? Yeah, first game. I was trying to remember the last game I had actually had been to as a mm. spectator, with no real, I guess, dog in the mm. in the fight. And um, yeah, I think it might have actually been the year before the M- Southeast went into the NBL. I, yep, yep. I remember taking my son to a, uh, a Kings and um, Melbourne United game, and we just went as spectators just to watch the game and and um, hopefully see a good game of basketball. So that was probably the last one. So it's five years ago yeah. that uh, I was last a, uh, a spectator in an NBL game um, with no interest. Mm. So yeah, it was uh, had a really enjoyable night. Thanks to Melbourne United for putting me up. Oh. 
It was, uh, yeah, had a great night with a bunch of ex-Melbourne Tigers and, and one man, uh, Andrew Parkinson, was allowed yes. to join us in the box. So <laughs> it was uh, it was a good night. It was, um, yeah, it was a real pleasure. Uh, it, it was a great show, amazing game. Was. Yeah, I mean, it was everything you wanted in a, I mean, as a spectator, it was everything I wanted in a game of basketball. Uh, the, the stars shone brightly, obviously a great halftime show. It was great to see Homicide there. Yes. A lot of people from the NFL there. It was good to catch up with some people, some, some media folk there. Um, yeah, it was just a, it was just a nice feeling to, to come back to basketball after a, a bit of a layoff. Being that close to the action again, does, does it make you want to get back involved? How's that, how's that itch coming along? Oh, the itch is getting a little scratch. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, still into the film and, Getting going through games a little more forensically still. Um, I, I'm not trying to get through every game. Oh, I just sort of pick out a game that interests me and and say, oh, right, I'm going to sort of break this one down and um, and find out what happened. Um, so yeah, I still watch all the games, mm. and if, if there's something that interests me or I'm trying to get my head around a, a bit of a trend, um, or I just want to look back at uh, some things that I thought, oh, geez, I wonder if I got that right. Mm. Um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll go through the game and uh, I'll get someone to send me a copy and and then and cut it up and uh, yeah have a look at it. So yeah, I, I actually had the chance to last night to get through the uh, Melbourne United Cairns game, which was uh, yeah it was fun to watch. Well, we'll get to that in a little while because I I do want to pick your brain about that game because there was some fascinating things about it and I want to pick your brain about what you're seeing that Adam Ford's doing that's working against Melbourne United that nobody else is doing right now. So we'll get to that shortly. Um. Before we get stuck into things in detail about what we saw over the last round, Simon, I just want to get your thoughts on sort of the state of play in the league right now. Are Melbourne United still a cut above? I mean, how do you see it right now? Yeah, I think they are. Mm. Uh, I think that you've got to go with consistency. Obviously, everyone's going to sort of raise an eyebrow and say, well, look, Cairns have got them twice. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that, and we'll we'll touch upon that Mm. a little later on. But I I think they're the best team in it. Perth can get it done on their night over the course of a series. I still think Melbourne United are the best team. Yeah. Um, I think Sydney is the team with the most potential. Um, they have some issues right now, but I think from a talent perspective and a matchup perspective against Melbourne United, I think they're probably suited to, to maybe take them down. But yeah, it's um, I think it's Melbourne's right now. Mm. Um, I'm sticking with that. And um yeah, so but it's always interesting that obviously it's a it's a strange season where you know outside of maybe Adelaide right now, mm. um, everyone's giving themselves a chance for the finals. Well, you answered my next two questions. Perth and Sydney, would you say they're their biggest challenges? And where do you? I'm going to throw the breakers into that mix. Where where, where do you put the breakers right now? Uh, well, they're the form team of the league, along with mm. Perth, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can only beat those of the teams that are put up in front of you. But I'm holding off on uh, getting too swept away by New Zealand just at this point in time. Well, I, I, I mean, really their like next two games are against Melbourne and Perth. So that's when we're going to find out a lot about them, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that, that both the games, especially the Melbourne game, will find out how legit they are. I still have my concerns with them on the boards. And I think yes. going into the playoffs... You've got to be a decent rebounding team. And, yeah, I still have my concerns there with Fordham. Adelaide, are they the only team that you would say are out of the running to make the playing game at the moment? Would you put every other nine, every other of the nine teams still still in the hunt? I think you can put everybody out in the finals mix. Yes. Um, I, I think there's some teams that are not championship caliber. Uh, sure. I don't think Brisbane is a championship caliber team. I kind of... 
I kind of just snuck them into the finals mix, really, um, on the basis of Casey Prather reversing the time back to 2016. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I, I guess Phoenix are kind of struggling right now too, but I, I think with Nader, there's upside to that squad. Mm. If they can get some continuity and some chemistry, then, then they could maybe make a little charge for that uh, one of those play-in positions. But, um, yeah, I think it's starting to sort itself out a little. I love what Illawarra is doing, but I don't think they're quite going to make it. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, we can throw a blanket over pretty much everyone third through to, to ninth, can't we? So it's going to be fascinating. Um, okay, let me just run through the results that we saw going back to last Thursday night. And we saw the Perth Wildcats continue their good form, beating the Adelaide 36ers 100-82. to Then we saw the Sydney Kings regain some form, beat the Cairns Taipans 101-82. to Brisbane Bullets defeated the South East Melbourne Phoenix to end their losing streak 95-83. to then we saw, as you said, the Illawarra Hawks kept on winning. They beat the 36ers 91-84. to Cairns Taipans did it again for the second time this season, beat Melbourne United 95-78. to And then to start 2024, the New Zealand Breakers made it four straight, beating the Tasmania Jack Jumpers 98-93. to I want to start with one of your former, former players, Simon. I asked Mike Kelly this straight after the game as well. How surprised were you that Gary Brown lashed out like he did against... Aaron Baines, and, I mean, the contact was probably minimal in the end, but, I mean, you still just can't do something like that, can you? No, it was a, it was a horrible act. Um, I'm really disappointed in him and for him um, and for his teammates and coaching staff. I thought he let everybody down. Um, you know, he looks like a really frustrated player to me at the moment. Um, and, and the Brisbane game was kind of a microcosm of his season. Mm. You know, he's really effective early in that game. He just doesn't look like he's confident in his movements and when to be aggressive, when to include his teammates, or when to just reverse the ball. He just looks a bit like he's not playing his natural game to me. And um, yeah, he looked out of sorts in that first half, and then you know he comes into the third quarter, and it looks like he's just like the hell with it. I'm going for it. Um, and he comes in, and starts dominating the third, and gets his team back into it. And then obviously we we get that brain fade. But yeah, look. Um, He's been a little bit disappointing, Gary, probably for the last five, six weeks. Mm. For me, uh, I, I think he's that player who needs to feel loved. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs to feel trust and, and, and given a little latitude to go and do his thing. Um, I'm not saying that this isn't happening, and I'm not saying that he's not feeling that. But when he doesn't, he looks frustrated, he doesn't look like he's got his mojo, and that, to me, indicates that maybe that's the case. But I don't know. But he certainly needs to, to be better. And... Uh, his teammates need to rally around him now and get, and pick him up because uh, while Thaler have been frustrated with him uh, and, and I've had no problem with the players giving him a dressing down after the game either mm. if that's what happens. But um, but now it's it's time to pick him up and get him ready because they they need him at his best to be a uh, to be a playoff caliber team yep. and they need him and a couple other guys firing at their absolute best to be any chance of a championship tilt. But um, right at this point in time, there's a few few boys playing below their best for, for the Phoenix. I think just judging by Mike Kelly's reaction afterwards, that whether it was the coaching staff or his teammates, I I don't think they would have missed him in being disappointed because it, it cost them the game. I mean, you know, either side of of him being ejected, Brisbane scored eight straight points and the game was over after that. So I mean, it Mike Kelly called it a selfish act afterwards. I mean, it's hard to think that it's anything else. He just got frustrated with the screen, but you still can't lash out like that. 
Yeah, there's no reason to get frustrated at that screen. I mean, Baines is going to move a little bit. He holds a little bit, but there was nothing underwater that mm. screen. It was, I think it was just a frustration play. And you could see his body language straight afterwards. Uh, yeah. you know, he's almost throwing his arms up and dropped them and said, I can't believe I just did that and walked straight to the bench. You know, clearly disappointed in himself, but yeah, it's too late for that. You, mm. you, he, he needed to be a, a sound mind and, and um, thinking of his teammates before throwing the, uh, the the straight arm. So, yeah, I'm really disappointed. It was stupid. It was ill-disciplined. And it cost his chance of, it cost his team a chance of winning a basketball game. He's been fine since. Is he is he lucky to not be suspended? Yeah, I think so. I, and, and maybe, I mean, look, I come from a bit of a bygone era. And I, I don't think I see things the same as, as the current standard of what the general public see it because there seemed to be a little bit of outrage and paying for blood in social media. <laughs> oh, you should get six games. Mm. He deserves a month off and all that. I didn't see the action anywhere near that untoward. No. Um, it was certainly ill-disciplined. Um, I don't, think there, was, I don't was, think there was enough force behind it for anything like that. Oh, there's... I would like to think that that I could possibly stay on my feet if I was hit with yes, that yes. <laughs> with that sort of force. But um, regardless of that, I think he's a little lucky, purely on the basis of the rules, yep. that there isn't penalty loading going into a second offence. And look, I know for a fact this has been an advantage of some teams and clubs in the past, where players or maybe people who walk the sideline have been done for more than one thing in a season, but that doesn't carry over, so the suspensions don't get thrown out there. But, yeah, it's, I think he's lucky, and I think it's a rule that they potentially need to reassess at the end of the season and say, well, OK, if you get done twice, then maybe you've got to take a little holiday. Mm-hmm. Obviously, getting kicked out of the game in the third quarter is a heavy, heavy penalty. Uh, you take a little hit in the hip pocket, but yeah, I think when it's your second offence, perhaps you've got to take a, a little holiday as well. Mm, yeah, I, I think so too. Let's stick with the Phoenix for a minute. Um, it's the same old problem. They just can't stay healthy. So we've seen Mitch Craig just come back for that game against Brisbane. Gordrak Gak might not be playing huge minutes, but with Alan Williams in foul trouble so much and battling a sore knee, they don't really have a genuine big behind him. So they're missing Gak as well. Ruben Tarangi's now out as well. They're an up-and-down team. They had a great day on Christmas to beat Tasmania, but then they had another another down performance in Brisbane. How much is that down to just not being able to get their full team out on the court, or what do you see their biggest biggest problems for their inconsistency right now? Oh, without a doubt. Um, look, whilst I think the win in Christmas that showed a little character, especially some of the shots made down the stretch, I, I didn't think the game was played with any sort of level of... Um, to say it was a poor game from yeah, both teams, I, and I, they were I, the least. I think that's what I think that's what Cody thought last week when we talked about it too. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't that enamoured with the win. I was a little horrified by what the Jack Jumpers threw out there, in, in the sense that it was unexpected. Uh, but yeah, I, I just thought it was a poor game, and and they were the least poor of two poor teams. So yeah, I wasn't that enamoured with that performance, but there's reasons for it, and you know the reason that you can't get your guys on the floor then you can't get them at training. You, you can't get any sort of chemistry and um, you can't build. Uh, it, it makes it really difficult. And, and obviously having Creek back in the last game, you know, that's a great to have him back. But then you've still got another, another lineup out there that you're trying to, to build together. So it's, it's, not just, it's not just losing players that sort of upsets the chemistry. It's also bringing players back in. And, and that's his first time playing with Nader as well. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I feel for Nader and, and, and Tommy and, and the people there at South East, I mean, 
we talked last time I was on, I threw a little um, guesstimate out there that, that changed my mind. I thought there might have been two teams that made a change and I thought Perth might have pulled the trigger and I thought South East might have pulled the trigger during that FIBA break. Oh, yeah, right. You, you called that probably 24 hours before the announcement of Will Cummings actually being departed. So you, you saw the writing on the wall. Well, maybe. <laughs> from, from what I understand, it was for disciplinary reasons. Yeah. Though. So I had no idea that he, uh, he hadn't been turning up for a few social events. So, yeah, I, I was just purely on a basketball decision yeah. with the loss of Moller. I just thought, oh, that's too big. And, and they kind of double up with his skill set with, with Gary and Ben Air. So I just, uh, with, with Will Cummings, sorry. So I just thought, oh, getting a replacement for Moller would be really good. And Nate is a gun. I mean, yes. he's a player I rate pretty highly. Prior to his injuries, um, I've actually been fortunate to see him play in person when he was playing for the main uh, Celtics. Yeah, okay. Um, back in the day, and um, really impressive player. So I think he's been brought in to replace Craig Moller, and then Mitch Creek goes out, and it's all mm. like, well, okay, I haven't played in two years, but if you could whack a 20 point game in there for <laughs> us, help us get over the line, it'd be much appreciated. And it might be just asking a little too much for a bloke who's been on the sideline for that long. Yeah. So, but now that Mitch is back, hopefully he gets to, they get to grow together. And um, yeah, I mean, certainly there's a lot of talent on that team when they're at full, uh, full health. Well, you touched on Nader there. Another guy in a similar position is Casey Prather at the Brisbane Bullets. So you, you've seen him up close and personal. You know exactly what he's capable of when he's, when he's at, peak of himself physically, but he hasn't played in two and a half years now. You know, he didn't play on Saturday night, and I think he was, I think Justin Chiller was just hoping he didn't need to smash that, you know, in case of emergency um, glass if he needed him, and he didn't need him on Saturday night. So he, he will have now had a full week to practice with the team before playing this Sunday. What are your thoughts on, on Casey back in, back in the league, and how far can he take the bullets in, in nine games? Yeah, look, I, I don't expect the Bullets to make the playoffs for, for various reasons. And, and look, if Casey Prather, if it's the Casey Prather of 2016, mm. they have a shot. Yeah. But he's been on the sidelines for a couple of years. We, we last saw him back in 2019, I think it was, yeah, 2020. Yeah. I think it was only um, With Melbourne United. Yeah, and, and look, I, I think there was a bit of a diminished return right there that we could see. Mm. You know, like he's had constantly, even when we had him at Melbourne United, it was uh, he was injured for the majority of the season. He came back for the championship run and played tremendously well. He was a great teammate, great player. But he relied a lot on his explosiveness in the open court and um, obviously and, and his aerial ability as well. And just, yeah, I mean, having a crook knee is you know, not conducive to maintaining that level. So, mm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what, what he brings. But, I mean, I think they've got concerns with the disappearance of Shannon Scott and Chris Smith. Yes. Um, and unless they overcome those issues, I, I just don't see the Bullets making a run. When you heard that they'd signed Prather, were you surprised? Like I said, he hasn't played a game, I think it's June 2021, when he was when he last played in, in Israel. So he just hasn't been able to get his body right. I mean, what did you think of the signing when you when you first heard it? Well, strangely enough, during the fever break, I, I, I did a little project for myself because I was trying to place players for South East and also for Perth Wildcats um, on my roster. Okay. Oh, I would put them together because, <laughs> yeah. as I said, those are the two teams I thought if they wanted to make a, a real run at a championship, they, they might, you know, they'd be best suited to slightly tweak their roster. So I had a little look and, and, and to see who was available out in the open market at the time. 
and to tell you the truth, <laughs> I couldn't find much uh, much talent out there. Casey was on my list. Okay. Uh, I actually reached out to him via his old Twitter account to mm. see if to see if he was playing because I was going to play like. No, I actually didn't. Which, um, which I don't know if he still activates the Twitter. I don't think it's been used for a little while. So, uh, like, like the smart people of the world, he's probably a bit. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I, um, I, I thought, oh, yeah, I might reach out to Casey to mm. see how he is. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, a week and a half later, he's rumored to be going to the bullet. So there you go. It's, uh, it's funny how the word turns, world turns. But um, it's. It's great to see him back. He's a masterful player at his best, um, wonderful person, and uh, I hope for the board's sake he's, uh, he's everything that they want and uh, and they can make a run because it'll just add more excitement to the league. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, from your point of view as a coach in Justin's shoes, I mean, bringing in a guy for the last nine games is tough, but how much does it help that he's worked with him before, that they actually know each other? I mean, how, how important is that? certainly helps. Um, yeah, I, I don't know much about their relationship. Um, obviously, Casey was back there that other year but didn't play much again. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if they spent a lot of time together during those periods or what the, you know, how strong the relationship is. But, but yeah, I, uh, the fact that they know each other, he knows, certainly knows what he's capable of. Mm. He knows his, his strengths and uh, his shortcomings. And, you know, he'd have a fair idea of what his medical condition was, yeah, um, yeah. being that he... I mean, I think I have a fair idea of what it was. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah, they're it, 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 taking a swing. See, when I did my little search through the, my connections during the fever break, uh, yeah, I, there wasn't a lot out there in the marketplace. So I think it's a good uh, calculated risk that they've taken. I think so. I mean, they've got nothing to lose. If they had to replace DJ Mitchell anyway, then it's almost a, a free hit. And it can only be a positive in terms of he's adding to a play that they've lost. So it's not like they had to ask somebody for him. So... We'll see how it turns out, but having an impact in, inside nine games is, is asking a lot for a guy that hasn't played for two and a half years, but he's won three championships at the same time. All right, Simon, it might be time for us to take a break. Then when we come back, we'll hear from Tab Touch, and then I want to pick your brains about what the Taipans are doing well against Melbourne United. He'll make it for sure. That's why I backed him on Tab Touch. You got the touch. You got the power. Got the touch? Choose Tap Touch. Better your bet. Download the app today. Imagine what you could be buying instead. Back on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, I'm joined by Simon Mitchell once again this week. Well, you've analysed this game, Simon, so I'm looking forward to picking your brains about it. Melbourne United has looked almost untouchable against most teams this season, but Adam Ford and his Ken's Taipans have done really well against them twice now, and... You know, clearly the best two wins for Cairns all season have been those two against Melbourne. What did you see that they're doing doing well against them? Yeah, I think this is a little bit different than the last time that mm. um, that they beat Melbourne up. Um, so I mean, last same, they, certainly not the same amount of points as last time. No, no. Um, Melbourne were a little bit better at the defensive transition this time. Mm. They were atrocious last game. Uh, I think from memory, it was 26 points they gave up. In this game, it was, it was far less, although having said that, when, when Cairns started to open up their, their little break there in the fourth quarter, um, it was on the back of back-to-back transition buckets. So mm. it did come to haunt Melbourne a little bit, but it was, certainly wasn't as bad as it was the previous time. But the one thing that was very obvious that we, we saw it in the last game is the the Cairns type ends targeting of Chris Colding at the defensive end. And they were absolutely relentless with it in this one. No, they were. And 
Is, is that something you're surprised we don't see more of from other teams? Uh, I think you've got to have the personnel to yeah. do it. Now, the, what I loved about the way that they targeted Chris in this one, he, he, in that four, first quarter, they went at him directly uh, six or seven times. Yeah. And um, and it was multiple ways. You know, they did it in the post. They went into Bull Call on the post. He blew by him and got the ball slapped out of his hands at the rim. But uh, it was an absolute blow by. Uh, they put him through some uh, dribble handoffs and he got lost in those. And, you know, his opponent got on the ring. Uh, they put him in pick and rolls. They put him in isolations. They put him in the flex again. Make him work off those flex cuts. He tends to run into screens a lot. And then uh, then they work him off some turnouts as well. And, and if they couldn't get him onto the, the the right ball handler, then they just run guard-to-guard screens and force a switch. And then they got the matchup they wanted. And they were just relentless. And, and, and I think what Cairns can do, and I also believe Sydney can do this, but what Cairns can do is they can put a lineup out there at the one, two, and three where there's absolutely no one for Chris to guard. Yep. He's not capable of guarding. Full qual. Full qual too big, too quick. He's nowhere near quick enough to guard Patrick Miller. Mm-hmm. And McCall's just too quick and too athletic. And he had to guard one of them. Mm. And they've just got the and all of them can operate out of pick and roll. Um, they're, they're, they're elusive. Uh, McCall and Qual can both go into the post. It's a really tough guard for Chris. Now, coupled with the team running Chris through screens, through that flex action, Chris is put in really uncomfortable situations. And, uh, and they just went to town on him, um, to be honest. Mm. Only time Chris looked comfortable out there and, I, and, and that Melbourne looked comfortable um, was when Taryn Armstrong came into the game. And Chris had someone that he could match up on that was suitable for him. And um, not surprising, during those minutes, Ken's really struggled with Armstrong on the floor and when Chris was playing there as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, those, those three guys are not good matchups for Chris. And, and uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we might see something similar with Sydney mm. just to sort of test the theory. They, they have the ability to do that as well, but I'm not so sure that they will. Yeah, no, we'll find out Thursday night. One thing Melbourne didn't do was go into a zone at any point. We've seen some teams, especially Sydney, have success going into a zone against the Taipans. Post-game, both Adam Ford and Sam Menenga had a little bit of a giggle talking about how they were pretty happy Melbourne didn't go into a zone. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Is it something Melbourne should have done or potentially is it something that Dean Vickerman's keeping in his back pocket? Um, look, I, I don't think Vicko would be losing any sleep over not zoning the Taipans. Mm. I think they're at a different level and a different uh, stage of their season than the other teams where they're trying to figure out things with their man coverage and they need to figure that out, how they can beat Cairns in man-to-man. Now, I'm surprised that an opposition coach would reveal their own Achilles heel um, yeah. and have a giggle about it. But, um, <laughs> yes. yeah, I, I think Dean would be more, probably more focused on, well, how are they going to guard the pick and pop? You know, where Melbourne's bigs were struggling with Meninga and Clintman on those pick and pops. So that's one thing that Dean would be looking at. How do we get Chris a matchup that works for them? You know, do they go back to switching on those flex actions to try and get Chris from not having to chase through those screens? Uh, how do they defend the sideline punch um, in the ice? You know, the, the bigs are getting really deep in that, in, in their ice defense. And, uh, you know, Meninga's staying behind and they're kicking it back and he's shooting threes. You know, how are they going to defend the mid-pick and roll with their drops? Uh, these are the things I think Dean would probably be a little bit more focused on than, um, than uh, worrying about his own defense just mm. at this stage of the season. Got plenty of time to unveil that. 
And yeah, uh, as I said, I, I think Dean's pretty strong-willed, yes. and I believe that he'd be like, "No, we're going to go and beat them with what we do best." Um, and it's up to us to find a level to play at that um, that beats them. So yeah, I think the gimmickry might be left behind, and uh, they just beat them on their own terms. Yeah, yeah. You also made a good point. I'm not sure why Adam Ford actually volunteered that information either. I, if I'm 40, I'm probably more willing to keep that to myself. But um. To be fair, it's, it's not a mystery. It's not no, a mystery no. that you know we're, that they're not a, a great shooting team in that backcourt between uh, two air imports and and Taron Armstrong. Yep. So it's teams have had a little bit of success against them, uh, but yeah, Melbourne have their own way of going about it. And I'm just sure they're going to try and find a way to overcome Houston in another fashion. Last one on that game, Patrick Miller might not be a great outside shooter, but boy, he does everything else well. Has he put himself into MVP mix? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, 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 actually, <laughs> let me rephrase that. Has he put himself into contention to be the next best behind Bryce? Because Bryce is clearly the runner. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, he could be a top five place getter, yep, without yep, a doubt. Yep. And um, I think he already was, to be honest. Um, he's been right there for me anyway. He was in the, uh, the middle section of my top ten at the fever break. Uh, I think I had him ranked five or six no, in the you, league no, at the you time. Did, you did, yeah. Yeah, so look, I think he's, he's he's about where he belongs. I, I don't move him up or down at this stage. Um, I think he is where he is, and I think Bryce is way off into the sunset right now. Oh, he's getting every time he hits the court, he's getting further. He's getting further, further ahead. To be to be fair, a couple of days before Cairns did bounce back to beat Melbourne, they lost to the Sydney Kings again. Cody and I talked last week about how we we're starting to be a little bit of pressure on Mahmoud Abdul Fader over over his job, and, and certainly some rumblings about Denzel Valentine. Sort of, Cody felt last week that Denzel was safe just because there wasn't enough time left in the season to, to make a move, but boy, he made sure that he, he was going to be safe with 29 points and a match-winning performance. Yeah, look, I don't know what the validity of, of those sort of murmurings are. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's, if it's Facebook feedback or if there's something legit to it. Yeah. Um, the, thing, the thing about the, the really good basketball people at the Kings who will make basketball decisions on the staff and personnel. And the thing about, especially at this time of year, is you're not making it on the record, you know, or what the, your team's record is. I mean, ultimately, you live and die by your record. Yeah. However, if the team's being prepared well by the coaching staff, you know, the scouts are sound, the philosophy's sound, and, you know, every, everything or they're making alterations to things that aren't working, but it's still not coming to fruition on the night. That's all we can ask. Sure. You know, ultimately, the players have got to get the job done. And sometimes it takes time as fans or people in the crowd or people behind their keyboard, um, or even in the media for that instance. It's a lot of people looking for just immediate gratification and automatically just start thrashing out, well, the coach has got to go and let's get rid of Valentine because he had a bad game too. Hmm. It, it's a nonsense. Now, having said that, we we aren't in on in on the inside at the club either. So if if the coach isn't doing the right thing and the staff aren't getting the job done and they're not making alterations to things that aren't working, they're making the same mistakes over and over and they're not trying to change things, then you know, as I said, the the Kings have good basketball people to recognise that and to uh and, and, and to make the decisions. I, I just don't believe I've seen enough of uh, personally I think Valentine's a good player. Yeah. Um and I think the Kings have got the goods to Contend for a championship um, with the with the roster that they have right now. Um, it, it's just about coach to, to put it in place 
and, and overcome a few of the issues that they do have at the moment. What I liked about what Denzel did on in that game against against Cairns was that, to me, he had been relying on his outside shot a little bit too much, but he's a great athlete. He made it a focus to actually get inside more this time, and and then that, that in turn opened up his outside shot going forward, but he got inside the paint more, he, he and he also showed he could create for his teammates. I mean, how important is it that he shows that he can do more than just, just take the outside shot? He's always been that player. From my recollections of him at Michigan State, and I, I, I watch a lot of Big Ten basketball, and especially Coach Izzo's teams. I'm a big fan of Coach Izzo. So I, I watched, I saw a lot of Denzel in his college days. And he played a lot of the time with the ball in his hand, even though he was potentially not what you'd call the point guard. He was quite often the three-man. But I remember in the preseason, you know, I compared him to, and I was maybe... Or maybe a little bit off in, in, in the athletic ability and prowess, but I compared him to like a Scotty Pippen type. Yeah. Um, in that you can handle the ball in the middle of the break, you can take it off the board and run it in, and, and you can play him purely at the point if you want him to. Boy, no stretch of the imagination. Am I calling him Scotty Pippen? No, no. But he, he just had that, that, that ability, um, and he showed that at Michigan State regularly. Yes. And um, I thought with, with a player like Jalen Adams who can play off the ball, I thought he was this kid was going to be a really really good matchup in the backcourt with Adams. Now Adams' play has been a little bit down on previous you know his previous year and year in the NBA. People keep pumping him up for the NBA. You get that a lot in Sydney. They like to pump up their own for MVPs and every other attractor that gets floated around. But I, I think his performances are a little bit down right now. But I, I think those two potentially, along with Jalen Galloway, yes. have that sort of similar build in regard to well we'll talk about Melbourne United mm. I don't see who Chris does out of those three so that's why I'm still high on the Kings come playoff time to be a contender so I think they can cause some issues similar to what can cause to, to Melbourne United so for me uh, I'm comfortable where the Kings are at they obviously got to start to get it together on the floor um, but I think the talent's there and, and they'll be okay yeah I mean I think any of the talk was premature as well. I mean, look at the look at the table, and they're, they're ten and eight, and they're one spot out of second second position. They're one game out of second position, so they're they're certainly not going terribly by any by any stretch. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the coaches' challenges, Simon. They're they're tough to watch. I think it's it's fair to say. Um, going back to when you were coaching, did you like them? How, how did you feel about them when you were coaching? Uh, no, I don't <laughs> like them. I didn't like them. I'm all for scrapping them, and I never wanted them in the first place. Mm-hmm. I, when we had that coaches meeting where it was presented to us, there was two coaches out of the group that were vehemently against it, and that was myself. I won't name the other coach. Sure. Um, it was my, it was myself and another coach, and um, everybody else seemed to like the idea. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't. I didn't think we were prepared. We didn't have the technology. It was kind of well, the NBA do it. Why don't we do it? Well, yeah, the NBA have billions of dollars of infrastructure into their game and we just don't have it. And I just remember in the, one of the first games we had it, we had uh, Shay Illy just run through Kyle Adam off the ball and there was a foul call on Kyle Adam against Shay Illy. And it was just a ridiculous call. And um, I challenged it and then they went to the challenge booth and it got denied and I'm like, Christ, what's mm. happened here? I called up the office and as soon as I got back to you know, the office, I called up the league office when I got back to my office after the game and I needed an explanation. Mm. And it's like, oh, well, 
we actually didn't capture it on ca- on camera. And I was like, well, this is ridiculous, Jay. Like, you can't get the calls right and you can't even capture them on film. Um, this is why I didn't want this in the first place. So, no, I'm not for it. I think it's a blight on the game. Um, the referees get it wrong. The, the replay box seems to get it wrong as much as they get it right. I'm not for it. The worst part about it for me is that when a foul is committed, clear, a clear foul has been committed. So we've seen several instances where, for example, a pushing foul is called. The replay then goes to show that it's a hands foul. So a foul's been committed either way. And we've seen this cost, cost Melbourne United a game against the Wildcats earlier in the, in the season when Delhi was fouled. I mean, if a foul is committed and it's just the interpretation of which foul it is at the time that has been called, but then because it's the wrong foul, the challenge means that it, it can't be called a foul cause, because they can't make a new foul call. I mean, please, please try to explain that to me, Simon. How does that make sense? I can't. <laughs> it's a ridiculous outcome. Um, we saw it in the Tassie game. Yep. It, was, it, it was a disastrous interpretation. And, and, and to be honest, I was having to think about it. I can't remember the foul on Dally. I can remember the foul on Dally. It was mm. given to Alexander Starr, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, but I, the foul was on somebody else? Yeah. I mean, he was clearly fouled, but I think they called a, a pushing foul they on, called it on, on Starr, Starr, but it was on someone else. Someone else, yeah. yeah, someone else pushed him. So this is a foul on the same player, by mm-hmm. the same player, but a different call. I, it's been a couple of years since that meeting. I don't remember any discussion mm. at all that the referee had to get at that. right Now, it may be getting mixed up. So I'll give an example. So if there's a player A gets fouled by player Z, but the foul is called on player B, which is what I think happened in the, the Melbourne yes. game, yes. then that can be challenged and you can go back to calling You can't go back to calling on player A. You can't say, well, mm. oh, hang on, the foul is A. I get that. I understand that call because then it's like, well, Oh yeah, but before that guy fouled, he travelled, and it, so do we not? Like, it, where, where does it stop? So I understand that, but this uh, I called a holding foul, or it was a blocking foul, or it was a hands foul, and I, that's crap. Yeah, it is. That's absolutely crap. There's made policy on the fly here. It's very, very disappointing. Very disappointing what happened in that Tassie New Zealand game. Oh, we, we, um, we saw Marcus Lee foul. I think it was Mango Madiang, but because. The wrong foul was called, and and it would have been his fifth foul, but he got to stay in the game. Luckily for the breakers in that game, they ended up winning. But it, gee, it could have cost them the game if Marcus Lee had had managed to stay in the game for a couple more minutes. And Marcus Lee was playing really well, was, and, and yeah, it was a, it was a detri- it was disappointing. Not in the spirit of the game. Don't get me wrong, I applaud Scott Scott Roth for oh, giving sure. it a crack and coming yeah. out with the success in it. But the the reason the rules or the, the replay has been put in is to try and get incorrect decisions made right, not getting a correct decision <laughs> overturned on technicality. Mm. So we've got to go back to the drawing board again. This rule should never have been brought in until they had it all right. Yeah. Um, I thought we rusted in uh, for the entertainment aspect of it. I'm sick of looking up referees' nostrils. Mm, they still it's haven't fixed that, have they? No, it, the whole thing stinks. I mean, FIBA went from jump balls to possession to try and speed up the game, mm. and then we spent half half the bloody game talking uh, to referees into laptops. It's yeah, nah, get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. I'd be amazed if you polled most coaches now if they didn't didn't feel the same about it. So it's disappointing that it came in when it did. Let's not get bogged down on it too long. Let's move on to something else. Trey Cal, if I had have told you that the only player to have a triple double in the league this season 
Simon so far would be Trey Kell. How surprised would have you been? Yeah, I'd be a little surprised. Probably wouldn't be my first pick. Mm. Uh, but having said that, though, Trey is a pretty good all-round player. Yep. Um, I, it was, look, without dropping it on the player, I wasn't tremendously impressed with his triple-double. If it, if, mm. if, it, if we, it takes a little gloss off it, I thought it was just a, a numerical triple-double. It wasn't like a domination of the game sure. in any way stretches sense of the game. So, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, well done. Good effort. Your team lost. Let's yeah. move on. Yeah, I think Scott Ninnis agreed. I don't think he was overly enamoured about it. I don't think he'll be sending too many congratulations to him. It's an, I'm interested in your thoughts. If you're coaching and your player's getting near a triple-double and it's a blowout, whether you're winning or losing, in this case Adelaide was out of the game, would you be aware that you've got a player that's close to a triple-double or is it totally, totally out of your mind? Oh, there's a chance you might be aware at three-quarter time yep. if you've checked the stats. I don't always check the stats or check the player stats like that. Mm. Um, there'll be some, some there'll be some things that I'll look for. You only get a two minutes at the end of the quarter, yeah. so there might be something specific I want to see. It might be turnovers. It might be uh, you know where are we at on the offensive boards. How are we doing on the defensive boards? What have we given up on the O boards? Like those are the sort of things. Uh, what are we giving away in fast break points, second chance points? Those are the sort of areas that I would normally look at. The individual stats, I'd probably be more likely to have a look at the opponents. You know, like, oh, geez, it feels like this guy's killing us. What's mm. he got going yeah. there? But if, no, I think if the question you're going to ask, would I, would I keep playing a guy so he get a triple-double? Yeah. I, I, I think you kind of got the gist of how I feel about trophies. Um, yeah. And you don't even get a trophy for a triple-double, so it means even less. No, no, no. And I'm sure Scott didn't do it because Scott didn't even know until he was told after the game that he'd had a triple-double, so that certainly wasn't how he got it. Last one on Trey. He's ended up being the point guard on this Adelaide team. Did you see that sort of a role for him when you coached him last year? Did you think he might have been able to be be a point guard? Oh, no, without doubt. Uh, he, he was brought in to play um, the combo mm-hmm. position for us, yep. you know, to be a three-guard rotation. And, um, you know, we, we wanted to see... You know, him and, say, Kyle Adam were on the floor together that we might say, okay, well, Kyle's hot tonight. Why don't you run the point and we'll get Kyle coming off a, a few on-ball, uh, sorry, a few down screens or whatever it is. And mm. I'd, I'd watched him play um, when he was in EuroLeague. He played a bit of, uh, played some minutes there at the point. So, yeah, no, we knew it was well within his, his ability. I'm not sure I would have had him pegged as a full-time point mm. guard or your first option at that, that position, but... His team's not in a position to contend, so that's what I'm kind of, I guess, basing that judgment on. If he was your first stringer, you're a contender for for the championship. So I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought so, but he's certainly a very well-rounded um, player at yeah. the guard position. There, but he's a pure guard, yeah. um, neither point guard nor shooting guard. I've always thought he was just, you know, that combo guard and very good at uh, many things. No, no, for sure. All right, Simon, that's been a lot for us to cover. Let's take a quick deep breath. We'll hear from Tab Touch, and then we'll come back and. Wrap up the show for this week. He'll make it for sure. That's why I backed him on Tap Touch. You got the touch. You got the power. Got the touch? Choose Tap Touch. Better your bet. Download the app today. Imagine what you could be buying instead. Okay, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. I'm joined by Simon Mitchell. Before we get into our round 14 preview, Simon, it's... Feels scary to say that it's around 14 already. It feels like we were doing our season previews only a couple of weeks ago. A um, couple more things to talk about. We need to get your Galen winner from round 13. Best team man in the NBL. 
who jumped out at you this week? Yeah, so I'm going with Bull Qual, mm-hmm. and uh, I was tremendously impressed with uh, what he brought to the, the Camp Taipans team in their win over um, Melbourne United. Now, obviously, there were some other stars on that team, McCall and Miller and Meninga, all having wonderful games, but some of the things Bull Qual does off the ball, just to free up teammates, some of those screens around the elbows so the bigs can flare on those pick and pops. Uh, he freed up he freed up Meninga a couple of times and it just bought him just a little extra time by setting that second screen out in the slip. And, and I just marveled at some of the IQ stuff he does off the ball and uh, thought, gee, he really does a lot for this team that would probably go unnoticed. So I thought, well, let's give him some recognition for that and give him the Galen Award. I think a lot of what he does is because he cares so much. I think he's the hardest working player on that team, and he's also the player that cares the most. I don't know if you have ever had much to do with him, but he, he's the heart and soul of that team. And I, I know he's not officially the captain because McCall is, but to me, he's the heart and soul of that type man's team. Yeah, look, I, I rate him pretty highly now. Watched a little bit of him when he was with the Knox Raiders, and he was primarily a scorer and wanted the ball in his ball in his hands and, and really was aggressive. Mm. And I didn't, wasn't a hundred percent certain his decision-making was, was, was great. Yeah. But then when he's come into the NBL and he's been a defensive stopper from day one. And I remember Forty saying he, he had no idea he had a bloke like this on his hands. Mm. Like he just, you know, he had no idea what he was getting. And, and I, and he, he wasn't even going to play that first season. He was going to be sort of the 12th man on the bench until they got, a couple of injuries, and he gave him a chance, and he's never never looked back. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he, he, he slipped through our fingers, um, mm. and, and I'll hand up and say I didn't see that player. I didn't see the, the player that he's become at that time, and, and Fordy took a chance. He obviously lucked into it a little bit mm. too, but, uh, <laughs> you know, fortune favours the brave. He got him, and, um, yeah, look, he's doing wonderful things for Cairns. And, yeah, I, I rate him really highly. I thought he had an excellent year last year, and he's followed up beautifully this year. Well, I think how highly you rate him is shown by the fact that when we did our our jersey retirement, you, you hope to see his number 42 up in the rafters up there one day. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's it's one of those things that, yeah, you know, I think he signed the, I'm not sure how long the contract he was he signed, but he signed to go stay in Cairns. Yes. And, and for me, not a lot of players have done that in the past that have been coveted outside of Cairns. So that obviously, he feels a part of the community there. He feels part of that club. Um, and, yeah, I think he has the potential to, to have a long career. And, um, and for those reasons, I thought, well, geez, They've only got the one singlet up there, and I'd probably mean as being the more talented of the two players if he was to get it up there. So I, uh, I think you give himself a chance if he stays there for for another four, five, six, seven years. No, for sure. Um, okay, I want to touch on the coaching coaching movements and sort of interim roles that we've seen at the moment. Simon, I haven't got to have a talk to you about this. So let's start the Elora Hawks. The change has been absolute night and day under Justin Tatum from Jacob Jacomas and. You know, nothing against Jacob. He's a, he's a great coaching mind and a great basketball mind. But for whatever reason, this Hawks team just looks like they're willing to run through a brick wall for Justin Tatum. He's got, got them keyed in defensively. He's got them playing disciplined basketball. And I think he's got them on edge a little bit where if they're not doing what he asks, they just don't play. So every, every player, even Tyler Harvey, has that knowledge that they have to go out and follow what he says. Um, 
Yeah, five and two under him. Um, what have you made of what he's done? Yeah, well, he, he's been a breath of fresh air for them, without a doubt. Mm. Both sides of the ball have improved significantly. And he has to, well, he, he, he should be given a lot of credit for that. Mm. Um, I also believe that some of those players that were, you know, maybe pointing fingers or easily could point fingers at the coach and saying, well, we're losing because of him. When the coach goes, now that's no longer him. It's got to be you or you know, else. And, and there's some guys who are playing their the contracts there as well. And mm. uh, they've certainly lifted. He's done an amazing job. And now, look, right now, after seven games, he's got to be in there for a chance for coach of the year. <laughs> if, yeah. if he can continue, no, I'm serious. If he can continue yeah. this coach of the year, it, it might be like the MVP right now. If they make the top six, he would have to be a chance. He would have to be. He'd have to be a chance to be runner up to Dean Vickerman at the yeah. moment, I yeah, think. Sure. Yeah, I think that's almost like the Bryce Cotton MVP conversation. <laughs> yes. But he would be a very worthy runner up if he was to get it. Got to say, like I've just enjoyed. They've really brought it back to basic. You know, you can see where his values are, and the players have made the adjustment. And I think he's he will be back at the Hawks next season. Then I think they're going to have to move relatively soon. Just prior to the playoffs, there'd be a nice announcement going into the finals if we 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 could find out that Justin Tatum is going to continue as the court the Hawks head coach. Yeah, I think so too. Scott Ninnis at the thirty sixes. It's something that I. I never thought I would get to say that he's the head coach of the 36ers again. I was I was around when he was when he lost his job last time and how ugly that was and I'd started the 36ers podcast with him 5 years ago now and I've got to know him quite a bit over the years and it's fair to say 5 years ago the last thing he ever imagined was coaching at any level again and then he got back in at South Adelaide and and now he's back coaching the 36ers. I mean to me I'm still shaking my head that he is a head coach again. I mean, I mean, I know he's coaching the bottom place team, and it's not going great. But what are your thoughts about Scott Ninnis being back in the head coaching chair? Oh, I think there's a lot of romance to it for sure. Mm. I mean, he's it would have been a very, very popular decision amongst the 36 and faithful. Scott was a wonderful servant of the club back in the day, and uh, so a, a, a fine player at the southeast of Melbourne too. Yeah, so, yeah. and he's a good fellow, Scott Ninnis, fellow Vino lover, yeah, and. And, uh, yeah, look, he, um, I, I'd love to see him uh, turn this around over the back end of the season and give himself a chance to, to continue on in the role. Um, I, I think it's the 36ers right now, I think their recovery is a lot more than just Scott Ninnis, though. Yeah. Um, I think it's just a, a full evaluation of how they do things, how they come to decisions. Is, are they a, a, a franchise that want to win basketball games um, or is it just having a good time and having a play thing? Because right now, there has to be questions asked. And um, But look, if Scott can peel off a few wins between now and the end of the year, if he can bat 500 even, yeah. I think it's got to put him in, uh, in a position. The only problem being is that right now, um, with Justin Tatum surely getting the Hawks job, mm. Is that there's probably only one spot for the uh, uh, Brian Gorgian to come back to at the moment, <laughs> and, uh, and he's put his hand up yes, this week, so, so so that doesn't bode well. No, that was going to be my next question. Trevor Gleeson's out of the running because he's back in the NBA. So Brian Gorgian said that post the Olympics, he wants to get back to coaching at a club level. Would that Adelaide job be a good fit for him? Do you think he could be the one that turns it around? 
Uh, I, I think it's I think it's actually a good fit for for a lot of coaches mm-hmm. if they restructure and everyone agrees to do what's best for the future of the basketball club. Mm. Brian obviously carries a pretty big stick in the world of basketball. And, um, yeah, I think he might be just that sort of personality that could go in and uh, tell them where the resources need to go and um, make sure that the right people are in the right positions and, um, and turn that place around pretty quickly. I don't think it's a lost cause. No, no. And they've got the resources. I mean, the resources aren't the problem. It's just, like you said, putting them in the, in the right direction. And, and even Scott Ninnis, he would love to work with Brian Gorgian again as his, as his assistant, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sure I'm <laughs> sure he would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the same time, I think Scott should also just try and work his butt off to try and keep the job for himself. No, no, I, no, I think for it, sure. And yeah. I think he is. Don't be too quick to hand it over. <laughs> no, you know, go with no, the no. sun. No. <laughs> yeah, look, I think it's. Um, I think it's uh, Adelaide. When we're at Melbourne United, we we never had the the, the bottoming out that Adelaide have had, and it's been mm. fairly prolonged, to yes. be honest. But I remember it's really ever since that prior, grand final, they lost to your Melbourne team. Yeah, exactly. And, and I remember. Well, that's the year I'll go back to. I remember prior to that season, Melbourne United had been frustrated as a ball club. It was like, okay, we're sick of the, we're sick of losing, we're sick of being underachievers, and everyone was ready to buy in. Mm. Uh, and then Dean came in that year, and it was the perfect. It was just sitting there waiting, and yeah, I think Adelaide almost has that feeling about it. Mm. That it's, it's it's fumbled around and made mistakes and it's continued and I think now it's finally it's time to own up and say we need help and go and get the help that can turn this place around and and again the resources are there from what I understand ownership is always being prepared to spend money there despite mm. you know what some people say in the media it always seems to be a bit of an ah uh, oh, yeah but we don't spend as much yes you do you Adelaide <laughs> spend money and. I think that's a place just the, the, the fans are rocking. They keep turning up. Mm. There's a there's a buzz and it's going to blow up. And yeah, I mean, I hope I hope Scott can do it at the back end of this year leading into next year. And uh, it'd be great to see him continue on. If it's not him, uh, I think someone like Brian Gorgian could come in and absolutely do wonderful things for the Adelaide then. Yeah, no, for sure. I would suggest Simon Mitchell could as well, but that's probably something a discussion for somebody somebody else. But I mean, I I think it'd be a great fit for you. But we'll wait and see how it all plays out as well. For now, though, Simon, let's get to our preview for round fourteen. Thanks to Tab Touch. So check out these odds, and we'll try and help you find some winners on on the Tab Touch app, or you can head to tabtouch.com.au. Starts Thursday night. This is a nice rivalry, and based on what we talked about earlier. The Sydney Kings have the chance to really make a statement against Melbourne United, but as we've also talked about before, Melbourne's the one team you just don't want to play when they're coming off a poor performance, do you? No, um, you don't. Um, the Brisbane Bullets, I think, were the uh, the team that came in after they yes. lost to the Cairns last yes. time and uh, bumped by about 175 <laughs> points. Yes. So I don't see that happening to the Kings. <laughs> But I I actually think the Kings can win. But I'm going to back Melbourne because I'm not sure Sydney's quite at the stage of discovering how they're going to overcome Melbourne yet. I'm not sure that that level of maturity 
in that team exists just at the moment. So uh, I'm going for Melbourne in that one. Got just the one game Friday night. This is a fascinating one in the gong. So we've got the Illawarra Hawks who are in great form as we talked about before. They've won five of seven under Justin Tatum and they're, I mean, they're knocking right on the door of, of sixth position. The South East Melbourne Phoenix, they're just clinging to their spot at nine and ten. Gee, who have you got in this one? Yeah, I think you've got to go with the form team. Yeah. I'll go with the home team in Illawarra. South East could certainly burst the Hawks' bubble. But I'm a little concerned with Alan Williams' knee. Yes. Um, he didn't look great getting up and down the floor against Brisbane. And, yeah, I, I, look, I don't know what his situation is just at the moment. But, yeah, just based on that, and a few, you know, Gorjak Gak still out. Mm. Um, I think Rungi returns this oh, week. He'll be close. Yeah, I think he might be back this week. Um, so, yeah, I'm, regardless, I'm, I'm going to go with the Hawks in this one. Mm. Just. Okay, so we've then got two doubleheaders across the weekend. Saturday, this is another fascinating one. So Tasmania Jack Jumpers, they're coming off a, a couple of poor, poor losses. So they're looking to, to bounce back, after, especially after the New Year's Day against the Breakers. They're at home to the, the Cairns Taipans, who are, are fresh off beating Melbourne United. So this is, a, this is another tough one. Yeah, this is a bit of a coin toss for me. Oh, look, oh, I'm going to go Cairns. These two teams have the ability to create some of the ugliest basketball <laughs> one can imagine. I think it was two years ago that they played in one of the worst games mm. I think I've ever had to sit through. That was up in uh, and yep. Funnily enough, Kent have been involved in a few of those. I think mm. two of them with Illawarra this year yes. as well. So, um, yeah, this this one, uh, I, I like the way Cairns really went about the other night. Obviously, they haven't been consistent pinning them back to back. But, yeah, I've got a few concerns about the Jack Jumpers. Look, Scott Roth is a straight shooter. He's not. Um, it wasn't coach talk he had going on in the media this week. Mm. He's he's just saying he's just being honest. He's like, yeah, I'm not sure about this team. We yeah. could be ninth or we could be challenging. It's up to these guys to get their head around the defensive end, and it doesn't appear to be improving at all. So I'm I'm going to go with Cairns on this one. Mm. Second up on Saturday night. So it's top against bottom. Do you give the Adelaide 36ers any chance against Melbourne None. United? <laughs> No, none. Is there a chance it gets ugly? <laughs> is there a chance it's an ugly scoreline? Yes, yes, there really is. Especially if Melbourne falter in Sydney on Thursday. Yeah. Look, again, I think if they bench Sean Bruce and they go with the bigger, more athletic front three, mm. uh, sorry, guard tandems, I think they can give Melbourne the same issues that Cairns do. So, But I don't know if they're willing to do that just yet. So... Coming back on that, I think Melbourne will win on Thursday and I think they'll win on Saturday again. Yep, yep. And then, gee, they're almost at a point where with eight games to go, they would just about have sewn up top spot already, which is a hell of a position to be in. Yep. Sunday, these are two more big games. And I think we're going to, first up in Auckland, we're going to find out a lot about both the Breakers and the Wildcats. This is, this is going to be a chance for both to make a bit of a statement. It is. This is going to be the game of the round for me. Mm. And I don't know if it's picking an upset, but I'm going to go with New Zealand. Mm -hmm. I, I think both teams still need to prove to me that they can get the job done on the board consistently. Perth still haven't done that for me on a consistent basis. So I, I thought Cairns were excellent. Oh, sorry, uh, Perth was excellent in their last road trip where, where, they, where they lost to Melbourne, um, but then went up to Cairns and had the win and then came back and, and put the put Adelaide to the yep. sword. Um 
I thought they were really impressive. But I think that um, New Zealand's rolling you know, a little bit under the radar for a lot of people at the moment. Uh, this is their opportunity to to really sort of bring to light what they've been able to achieve the last five, six games. Yeah, I mean, from from where they've come and the challenges they've had to be in the top six now and have won four straight, I think I think they're they're really the team that's shooting up with a, with a bullet. But we'll find out a lot more in this game. The round finishes. The Sydney Kings at home to the Brisbane Bullets who will have Casey Prather in the lineup for the first time and he'll, he'll hit the floor. So what are we expecting? I'm looking forward to that one. I, I, I really hope Casey's back um, and ready to go. Love to see him back in the NBL. Got great history in this league. He's had great success. Um, but I don't know if that's going to follow him to Sydney in this one. So I, I think the Kings will get that one at home. I think... Uh, that might be the uh, if if, it, if that's what happens, that might be the end for Brisbane and their pursuit for uh, a playing position. I think yeah. they're just falling a little bit behind the pack. That would that would make the maiden twelve and sort of. But between myself and Cody, we've sort of said that twelve losses is probably about as many as you can ex- expect to still get into the top six with. So, yeah, to, to already have twelve with eight games to go, that could be it. Could be the death knell for them. You're, you might be right. So. All that will play out over the coming days, Simon. It's been fascinating to, again, pick your brain. It's great to get your insights and, and your unique knowledge of, of what we're seeing across the NBL. So thank you very much for joining me once again. Thank you to Hoop7 for making it possible, and thank you to TapTouch for supporting us as well. So head to, head to taptouch.com.au or download the TapTouch app, and we'll try and help you find some winners across the NBL round. I'm Chris Pike, and I'll sign off and leave you with a final word, Simon, of maybe what you're looking forward to most over the coming days. Over the coming days, oh, it's just a basketball festival. The WNBL <laughs> yes. starts again tonight with a double header, and uh, you know we've got a good week's game. I, I'm really looking forward to that New Zealand Perth game on the Sunday. That, that to me is going to give us a true indication of where New Zealand's at, and it might just let us know where Perth's at. If they can go in there into New Zealand and have a resounding win, and it's not on the back of Bryce Cotton heroics, then I will be truly a convert. <laughs> He'll make it for sure. Now that's why I backed him on Tap Touch. Hey, Luke. Yes, Gene Simmons. He's probably the best when it comes to this stuff. Thanks, Gene. You've got the touch. You got the touch. You got the power. Got the touch? Choose Tap Touch. Better your bet. Download the app today. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, call 1 800 858 858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.